That's for Belfort and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley, and on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome Jeff Sullivan, erstwhile Fangraphs writer and current Rays baseball person, back to the program. We discuss the moment when we each realized just how much life was about to change in the face of COVID-19, Jeff's quarantine hobbies, including birding, the scourge that is cruise ships, and the 2000 cheerleading film Bring It On. Plus, we contemplate what baseball might and should look like if it returns in 2020. I should warn you, Jeff does exactly two swears in this pod, one about 26 minutes into our conversation and the other about 28 minutes in. I have left them unedited in the interest of being both fun and loose, but wish to warn you in case you or your children have sensitive ears. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of your share of your parents' Netflix account, you can support all the great work at Fangraphs as we weather the pandemic, including Rachel McDaniel's exploration of players' final games, Jay Jaffe's reporting on the KBO, and Eric Longenhagen's top prospect lists. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership, either for yourself or as a gift to someone else, and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. It really is the best way to support and, ex- and experience the site. Support and experience, those are two words I know how to say. I hope you and your family are safe and well, and I take you now to my conversation with Jeff Sullivan, baseball person. So I am now recording, and I am joined by a former Fangraphs employee, now currently employed by the Rays, Jeff. You're here. They let you pod. I mean, I'm as much here as I guess anyone you're talking to was able to be here. Yeah. We're all we're all, all over the place. We're all, all over the place. Jeff, this is a very strange question in our time, but how are you? <laughs> if you, I mean, aside from there they're not being a baseball, I was already a remote employee of the team. So in that sense, my job has been affected kind of the least for almost yeah. anyone who works for, for the team, maybe for any team. So, you know, you can think of there are certain people who work for teams that you can imagine have dramatically altered schedules. But if you're someone who's doing research or or analytics or anything like that for a team, like the the data sets are still there. You can still kind of pretend you can look at the numbers and be like, no, 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 this is just an off day. Baseball's back tomorrow. I'm just going to (laughs) run run the numbers today. Yeah, in my conversations with front office people, they seem to be, you know, everyone is affected by this professionally and personally, obviously, but in terms of having stuff to do, you know, it seems like folks are starting on project lists that uh, they might normally tackle in the off season that had to get put on hold as they ramped up for actual baseball. And now they're kind of shifting gears and have switched tracks back over to that stuff. When Ben and I talked to the strength and conditioning coach for the Rangers, he was like, oh, I'm, I, I'm actually seeing my family in the month of March. So I think for for guys like him, it's dramatically different, but for the stay-at-home types, it's a different sort of adjustment, I would I would think. Like if you think of sort of your your personal errands and things you have to do, like uh, paperwork, taxes, whatever it is, yeah. uh, cleaning, you can sit at home and you can think, okay, I can do today's to-do list, but you can if if the day were infinite, you could always add to the to-do list because there's just always things that you could be doing that you might otherwise you might go to bed and stay for the next day. But there is always something that you could be looking up that you right. you could be playing with with a team. So at the moment, you could say, well, we have this opportunity to sort of quote unquote catch up on on the data, which is a silly thing to say because it's impossible. We never will. But right. there is 
always something to be curious about because we do have, you know, a whole history of baseball that w- that we can play with. Right. So at least at least there's that. It's an effective way for for us to distract ourselves. Yeah. Has that been has it been comforting to you to at least have the predictable curiosity still in play? I've just been trying to find the things that I find reassuring in moments like this. Like, you know, um, we're still interested in baseball. We're probably more interested in baseball now than we've ever been. (laughs) Don't we long for it? But you are able to still do work stuff, even if there's no baseball, new baseball to be had. I mean, we have a player who, you know, we're we're applying the petitioning to get a green card or whatever it is. That's something that that happens fairly often. And, And so yesterday I got to spend a portion of the day just looking up fun facts and being like, oh, let's see what we could put in like an application for for this player. Let's just examine his career. So that was that was kind of fun. It was like looking for little tweets, except for for a different reason. And then you're like, oh, I wonder how he's done against Mike Trout. And then you look at it, it was like, oh, only home runs. Well, that makes sense. Wow. It feels this feels very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Like so so that part of it was kind of nice. Yeah, Mike Trout still good at baseball even when there's no baseball being played. <laughs> So you're you're working on projects. You were down in Florida, I imagine, at some point for spring training. What was your sort of progression to realizing that things were not going to be quite the same for a little while? Because I, I don't know if you had this experience. Maybe you didn't, and that would be illuminating too. I had the experience of looking at my phone and seeing the NBA season postponed when Rudy Gobert tested positive. And that was a moment where I was like, I think I'm going to remember where I was when I looked at my phone and saw <laughs> that because it was a, oh, uh, the NBA is postponed and Tom Hanks has COVID. So this is very serious. Did you have an aha moment like that? Or was it a slower burn? Oh, no, we all had that exact same aha moment. I remember. Uh, so I was I was supposed to be down there for a couple of weeks in, in March. And that's a trip that was ultimately cut short for reasons that everyone can guess. Sure. And I was out to dinner earlier in the trip with uh, with one of our people. And he was expressing at that point, you know, we'd all read about about the the, the pandemic in, in the news. I, I mean, it, I had read about it two months earlier when I was on, on a vacation. I was looking in the news like, huh, look at this thing that's happening. And I was just because I have zero experience with real global pandemics that I've paid attention to. I sure. kind of didn't cross my mind when we were down in New Zealand and and my wife and I came across a memorial in a park in Christchurch that was built in memory of the New Zealanders who died in the Spanish flu epidemic a hundred years ago. I was like, huh, interesting memorial. Never, nothing further crossed my mind because it turns out I'm an idiot. So in March, I'm at dinner with one of our people and we were talking about the news and he was expressing how how concerned he was and how pessimistic and cynical he was about the, the future of, of the pandemic. And at that point, I was sitting there listening to him. Clearly, it was I was internalizing it because I'm repeating it to you now. But it never really clicked. So I was just like, oh, this guy's kind of a downer. And then yeah. I would go to the park the next day and be like, hey, what do you think? And, it, you know, it went from you can't sign autographs using fans' pens to everyone go home immediately. Like, right. very, very quick. You know, everyone was kind of making fun of the, the corona bump and, like, not doing high fives. And it was just this, like, this, this humorous thing. Like, all right, let's all be safe. But, like, not really seeming like a big deal to, okay, now we're – you got to teach all the players and employees, like, proper hygiene to uh, – the NBA just canceled their season. Everyone should go home as soon as they can. And so that night – you know, it was I think that came out during – we were playing a night game that day against the Red Sox that Wednesday, I think. When the NBA made their announcement, so mm-hmm. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I was just rebooking a flight for the next day, and all all non essential personnel were told to work from home. Yeah, 
I remember when we were figuring out what we were going to do with the Fangraph spring training trip, we went from, we'll we'll give people the option to stay home if they're at all worried, to canceling our meetup. Yeah. And then I think like a week later was when the the opening day postponement announcement came down. And when we canceled our meetup, because we thought, you know, maybe what we don't want to do in the face of a highly contagious virus is bring people from all over the country together to stand very close to one another with beers that then make them stand closer together as the night goes on because everybody becomes such good pals and then send them all home. Like maybe we don't want (laughs) to be something that gets written about in the New York Times. And people, there were some folks in the comments who were like, that's, you're being hysterical. You're, you know, this is, this is an overreaction to something that's going to blow over in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we didn't know. We were like, hopefully they're right. Hopefully we look back and we feel silly. And I don't say that to, to make those people feel bad because information just, you know, everything progressed so quickly and stuff changed, you know, in the space of a week. But it is funny to look back on now and be like, well, you know, Folks weren't even in Arizona to host that meetup that day. There was no more baseball, you know, for the foreseeable future. And it really did change in the space of a couple of days. It's just wild to look back on. Yeah, I think I think we actually had the last spring training game going officially. And then because and then it was it was surreal when the game ended. There was a PA announcement that was like the rest of spring training has been canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic said in that like weird stadium PA voice. Oh, but like, that's wild. I w- yeah, I wish I would have gotten a recording of that. But I remember when I saw you announce on Twitter that the Fangraphs event was canceled. Even at that point, I was like, huh, seems like not like not hasty, but I remember thinking like, seems like they're trying to make a statement by like, let's get out ahead of it as opposed to like, no, this is what everyone should have been doing a month ago. Yeah, no, our statement was mostly at the time, we're very nervous sorts. That was really what our statement was about. And then it ended up being that we just happened to be right in our nervousness. It wasn't anything more prescient than that, I don't think. Have you developed any pandemic hobbies? Feels like a very trivial thing to ask about, but we all have to get through the day somehow, you know, we just have to get through the 24 hours we're presented with at any given time. Are you like baking? Do you have a sourdough kingdom that has arisen? I know you're chasing ducks. Let's, I want to stop. It's not, I'm not chasing ducks. The ducks <laughs> I am following, I'm in pursuit. A very, yeah, I, I have learned, I've learned, a, we'll get to that. But I mean, the, <laughs> there is, you know, in, in the first weekend that I was home, we we're like, oh, we should go. We should go at least like camp for for the weekend. The weather's nice and like we can get away from everyone. So we went and did that, not understanding that two days later they would close all wilderness and trailhead areas. So like it's all just yeah. you're you can't do that. So that hobby's out the window. But you know, we had we had the week like everyone else of, of getting into Tiger King. Then we had the week of like everyone else of pretending like we were never into Tiger King and it's a shameful display of just real violent, misogynistic behavior. Yeah. And, and yeah, because my, my wife works at a college here, we uh, we live near to campus. And in the middle of campus is a big green space that has uh, body water in the middle of it. And so I have taken to, you know, I'm 34, but I feel like I've kind of skipped the intervening decades and just gone straight into being a birder. So I spend a lot of time looking at birds and I have figured out, learned a lot about ducks and geese in the last, yeah. in the last few days. I saw a big goose brawl this morning and that kind of, that was a highlight of the day. What does a goose brawl entail? Well, I don't really know what happens when the geese catch the other geese. I guess it's a lot of pecking and maybe oh, like hitting with wings. But they're, you know, they're famously antagonistic animals. Yeah. 
and they uh they fly at one rather than they make obnoxious sounds a lot and so they kind of take very short length flights like 10 yard flights after one another and then yeah they just kind of chase and until at some point i don't know if they're exhausted or what or they realize like oh we it's like the dog that catches the car it's like well i don't know what to do now so then they go back to being a goose yeah, I mean, you should probably film that and send it to ESPN because it probably qualifies as sports now. You can you can corner the market on goose fights. Probably can't show that though, right? They get the, I, the people mad at them. I was kind of wondering, like, there was weeks ago, everyone was was sharing their like. I remember the one that stands out to me is that guy, like, or woman, whoever it was, just that individual on Twitter who like filmed the the faux curling with their Roomba, right? And they're yeah. like, day two of quarantine or whatever. This is sports. And everyone was was releasing their their funny quarantine sports videos. And then I don't know in the last few weeks whether people just kind of lost their steam or realized like, oh, there's kind of like a, a classist element here and we shouldn't yeah. be enjoying how much we're in quarantine yeah. versus what other people are going through. So that that feels like that's kind of faded away. Yeah, I think that it was a combination of people, you know, they kind of wasted it. They wasted those videos too early. We didn't appreciate how long this was going to last. And so people perhaps expecting that that they would only have to stay at home for a week or two thought, oh, I'll, I'll get my clicks, you know, we'll experience the dopamine rush. So I think some of it was that not realizing that we're kind of in this for the long haul. And then, yes, I think that the initial wave of, hey, I'm bored at home, and then realizing the, the great fortune of being able to be at home at all, bored or not, um, probably started to sink in. So yeah, I think better taste uh, prevailed there. But yeah, I haven't developed a, a quarantine hobby except hold on uh, you haven't given me the the opportunity to ask if you've developed a quarantine oh, hobby. hey can i can i re- return the question what have you done to develop uh how have you been spending your time i've been fretting but that's a um it's just a new object of fretting because i i'm fretful you know i i'm really i'm a world-class warrior and now i'm like uh mike fretters would be your baseball name <laughs> yes Probably so. So I've done that. You know, the funny thing about the state of the world is that thankfully, thanks to the generosity of our readers and members, there still is a Fangraphs. And so I do have to do work like you. I just do work at home and keep Fangraphs plugging along so that when people do reward us with clicks as they tire of Tiger King and realize how horrible everyone involved with that show was, that they come and read about baseball and that we can feel good about the words that they're reading. I'd like there to be a three-day weekend in in April. And since months don't mean anything anymore, I don't see any reason why we couldn't just move Memorial Day up so that we could all have a, a little longer of a break on a on a weekend day for those of us who are fortunate enough to still be working during the week, which I realize, you know, quite a thing to complain about. But I don't know. I've been watching watching movies. I rewatched Apollo 13 and and felt some hope at what human beings can accomplish. Like if, you know, if people from the 60s can build a carbon dioxide filter out of like tape and uh, part of a spacesuit and a piece of cardboard, then, you know, we should be able to confront a global pandemic. Weirdly, Tom Hanks prominently featured in both of those. (laughs) It's, you know, this is, this is, some time ago we were going back and we were like, oh, we never really watched Cheers. Like, as oh. people, let's go back and watch Cheers. And then yeah. we had to stop trolling into season two because they were like, oh, there's like a lot of casual misogyny and sexual harassment in the yeah. show. So then we kind of skipped ahead and we're rewatching Scrubs now for people who are oh. our age. It's like, whoa, what a what a nostalgic show, like peak high school, college years for, for people like us. It was so comforting sure. back in the time and kind of 
tugged at your heartstrings. But even there, we're looking at 15 years ago, so much casual misogyny and yeah. sexual harassment. It's like, wait, is this... I, I'm starting to understand what it's been like to be a woman <laughs> for the last forever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've, you've put your quarantine time to better use than many because uh, <laughs> you've further developed your empathy and compassion as a human person. I think that that's a quarantine very well spent. But there's no way to demonstrate it because <laughs> I'm uh, stuck inside. Yeah. I, uh, a little while ago, rewatched. Did you ever watch the cheerleading uh, comedy classic Bring It On, Jeff? Several times. Yeah, so I don't know. This We're just talking about this now because there's no baseball, so here we are. I don't know if our listeners have watched Bring It On uh, recently. A lot of it is still quite funny, but there are some. there's a casual use of, of some gay slurs in that film, and they are not directed in a, in a malicious way toward a gay person, but they are words that we just do not casually throw around anymore, much to our benefit as a society. And you think about it, and you're like, well, Kirsten Dunst is still a working actress and the shelf life for working actresses as we all know unfortunately quite short in hollywood and we don't use those well hopefully uh, a lot of people don't use those words anymore because they realize the hurt and harm they cause and so humanity can progress in a relatively short time we still have a lot of stuff to sort out obviously but you're like wow when did bring it on come out in the 2000s we don't really we teach children don't use those words those are hurtful words you're not allowed to use them so i don't know i'm just grasping at what hope i can find because i haven't gotten to see geese fight yet hello Um, and welcome to episode 884 of the fangraph social justice podcast (laughs) i'm jeff sullivan your guest host Da, 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 da. I'll we, tell you what, if you if there are any bodies of water that you have immediate access to in any future yeah. <laughs> future future setting, just go there and look at a goose for ten minutes and they'll do something that's mean. Yeah, mean geese. Well, so that's that's geese. Uh, and movies <laughs> and, uh, you know, the ways in which our jobs have stayed the same but also changed. It has to feel – you had just sort of in the last little bit of working for a team had had found the delight in, in we again. And now you have no baseball team to apply it to. I feel sad for you that that part is missing because you were, you were like, you know, you obviously want the race to win stuff. And that had been really drummed out of you both uh, at Fangrass and then covering the Mariners for far too long, candidly. Okay, let, let, me, let me premise this by saying this is going to sound so company man of me. But consider, for example, the fact that I'm here now talking to, to you yeah. in, in a public podcast. This is something yeah. that not every team might necessarily grant permission to do. Like, yeah, I don't – just because I'm still buying Devil Rays hats on the internet doesn't mean that – you know, it would be nice if I had other Rays stuff to, to watch. But sure. since over the past five weeks, I've probably spent more time talking to, to colleagues, even people I hadn't spoken to before than I did in the the 13 months before that. And even though I don't have like a, a team to pull for right now, like over the course of the past five or six weeks, I have really appreciated the deep i'm trying to i'm really trying hard not to say the word family because everyone says it but like just the tight-knit chemistry that we that so many of us seem to share like i have only worked for this one organization and i can't imagine that they're all like this but i have as much as i was surprised by how quickly and how deeply i cared about the team's success i did not expect to care so much for the people i work alongside 
which is uh, which is a rare blessing because that was one of the chances that one takes if they leave a place like Fangirls right. where everybody is wonderful and everything is wonderful, present circumstances excluded for for all of us. But that that was some certainly something that you know they tell you when when you're interviewing, but everyone tells you that when you're interviewing for your job, we're a family here. But right. no, it really does feel like one. Granted, a family that other families then attempt to poach by offering more, I don't know, family money to give them promotions in, in their own family. So the family metaphor, that kind of dies out pretty quick. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to lose people you like and value to other families. Yeah, I <laughs> figured you wouldn't be able to relate to, to this. Yeah, it hasn't happened to me at all. Well... Yeah, it is. I like um, my new dad. <laughs> uh, and you know, you just you just sit there and you um, you're happy for folks because you want the people you care about and your friends to. I'm gonna stop using the family metaphor because yeah. it gets very strange. But you want them to enjoy their their lives and to have professional fulfillment and get to you know think about new problems like i i continue to maintain that the fatigue you have confessed to having toward the end of your time at fangrass with writing about baseball did not show to the extent that you have claimed it has publicly i say that it has not but you know i know that you were you were ready for a new set of problems still baseball related but expressed in a different way so i'm happy you get to have that and i don't really send christmas cards because i always forget to but like (laughs) you would have been on my christmas card list if i sent those um but it is sad because you're like oh now there's now there's not a jeff sullivan um you know we're happy for kylie having been kidnapped by the mouse but it would be nice if he were still around so you it's a it's a tug and it's a push and pull that's the actual expression there push and pull you're not doing bread you're not making bread you're not one of the bread people no, I bought one of those scone mixes where what's required of me is an oven and two thirds of a cup of water. So that yeah. was really nice. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't gotten into the baking because you know I I do. If anything, I think I'm working later than I did yeah. before. I don't really. There, as I'm sure you can understand, there's less going on. And by the way, I'm very thankful I'm not trying to be a writer right now. But outside of that, like that stupid damn American puritanical productivity guilt is still yeah. there. And yeah. So it's it's weird because it's like if there's in any way less to do, you feel like you have to do more of it to justify yourself. Right. So that's that's there. But you know, one yeah. of one of the things I've really appreciated in the past few weeks, again talking to so many people in the organization that I didn't really engage with much before, is you kind of learn doing the podcast uh, with with Ben was was fun because you look for guests and you you try to be creative with them of course you try to look for people who maybe haven't told their story before or haven't told it to to very many people you're looking under logs and leaves and just looking for anyone who might be interesting that hasn't been discovered yet but getting into a team you realize how many people for one thing work for a team and help the baseball ship float i don't know whatever ships do i guess get people infected with disease currently is what ships do but we're going to return you... to cruise ships in a second because <laughs> we should talk about them as people who think about stuff. But yes, yeah, continue. I think we're going we're gonna to take over, uh, commandeer all the ships and play our baseball games on them, I think is how the season is going to move forward. But you learn how many, like the legends in every organization, the coaches who've been in the game for 40 years that are so instrumental to how a team runs, but that from the public you hear about almost never at all. Because so yeah. much of it is like, here's the GM, here's... The pitching coach, et cetera, the top line stuff. Here's the director of player development or whatever. But I mean, you you look at people who who work for clubs who have just been in it for so many decades, 
And those are people that just weren't really visible, certainly to me before. Maybe it would be different for someone like an Erica Kylie because they're they're dealing with the farm system and, sure. and they're more ingrained in, in that minor league side. But that is not very visible to the the average Major League Baseball writer or the average Major League Baseball reader. So if anything, I can encourage you, hey, if you're looking for future podcast guests, there's just look for any old timer who works for a baseball team because yeah. they're going to have an unbelievable number of stories to tell. Yeah, the number of years that those folks have been around and the players and, and you know, junior analysts who become GMs who they've seen come and go, it's just a real wealth of information and the stories they tell are incredible. No one is quite so chatty as scouts. Um, <laughs> they are chatty folks. They have great stories. So, yeah, we spent uh, – much of the earlier part of today, in fact, you had to very courteously and patiently wait a bit for us to record because uh, Ben and I were talking to Eric and Kylie about their book. And, you know, you read that book and you're like, wow, there are a lot of stories. And then you realize that they could have done a whole book just on the scout stories and not put anything else around it. And that would have <laughs> been 300 pages on its own. So why didn't we think that cruise ships were a bad idea before now? I don't understand well, cruises. who are you referring to? Humanity like, as yeah, a whole? Yeah, humanity. I mean, like, we're, we're... Well, there's a lot of things we do. Yeah, we get a lot of stuff wrong, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I've never understood the appeal of cruises. I mean, I think being out in open water is fun for, like, a little bit, but then is terrifying. And even before they became, like, a an awful floating disease vector sometimes they just break down and people would be stuck on them and i never quite understood why they were stuck on them for so long so that's one thing because we knew where they were and we knew they were stuck but they'd be stuck on them for so long that like the toilets would malfunction and all of that happened and it felt like there was like a run of cruise disasters kind of like how the 90s were all about disaster movies it felt like in the early 2000s were all these disasters in the mediterranean seems like it wouldn't be choppy i don't know anything so i just i was surprised that they were still in circulation and then seemed to stay in circulation for weeks after the stay-at-home order stuff started so i just don't understand cruises i've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks being like hey i don't know many things <laughs> it's been one of my takeaways like a lot of people and this is probably a bad thing on their part but a lot of people seem very certain about stuff that changes very quickly uh and i've just been sitting over here being like oh how do you how do you feel so sure i feel like i don't know anything anymore except you know how to turn my computer on oh no that's that's phase two of intelligence phase one is you think you know everything and you actually know very little phase two is of course when you realize how little you know now the trouble is advancing from phase two and i've never gotten there so maybe <laughs> let me know uh, about your own personal journey but okay i'll, I'll say for one thing, I think there's a little bit of, in terms of why people get stranded on ships, there's probably a little bit of a eugenics exercise here where the kinds of people who decide to go on a cruise ship are the kinds of people that a country might not want to admit back into its borders. Oh, but have you ever, have you ever taken a cruise? No. Or been dragged onto a cruise? No. I, um, you know, being from Seattle, I've had um, many ferry experiences and like, you know, the little clipper boats that you could take up to the San Juans. My prom was on a boat, hmm. which Was seemed- it moving? Yeah, like it tootled around Puget Sound uh, on like, the Did Argosy it go up the Toodle River? <laughs> no, but it was mostly just like I thought a real vote of confidence in our security staff because I was like, so you got a bunch of kids who are trying real hard to sneak alcohol onto a boat. And then you know what happens when you drink too much on a boat, you get sick. So you, you guys better find it all because if you don't, there's going to be some awkward prom pictures. But um, And the boat's kind of going back and forth in, in the current. 
Yeah, terrible. So no, I've never taken a cruise because I just have been like, I don't know. I saw Titanic early enough. Like sometimes they break. Just not for me. Several years ago, it's almost a decade now, but uh, an ex-girlfriend at that point, her family, some sort of grandparent wedding anniversary, something, I don't know, whole family thing got together. But they were like, look, we're gonna, we'll pay your way because I work for Espination, which means I made very little money. And they're like, look, you you can both come on this Alaskan cruise. So it was like eight days. You know, it left from Seattle or somewhere sure. close to Seattle. And it goes up to Alaska and it comes back. And I've never been on a cruise before. And it's not something that I would – like, I'm glad I'm glad none of us weighed ourselves before and after, you know, because oh. it's just – it's nothing but, but gluttony. Yeah. You know, like there's a gym on board and all you do is resent the people who go to it because, you know, sure. fuck them. But – you go on it, and if you are able to just kind of put yourself in the mindset, like, maybe I'll do this once every 10 years, and you start out, and you're like, all right, I'll just pay for, like, the alcohol package so that you pay a massive fee up front, and then, like, every drink the rest of the cruise is effectively, you feel like it's free, even though you already paid, like, $1,000, but you just do that, and you just kind of lean into it, like, I'm just going to be, like, pleasantly buzzed for, like, a long time. So, you know, you wake up and you go to the one of the little coffee booths that they have in the boat and you're like, oh, I'll get a coffee. Oh, I'll get an alcoholic coffee because I already paid for it. Because after that, it, you kind of like, again, you have to justify it because like, right. you paid the price. It's like, well, I better get my money's worth. So you just and like you try not to get the game is like, don't get too trashed at like 1130 in the morning. So the game is just maintain this buzz for a long time. You, I don't know what it's like now because it's been so long, but, you sure. know, I couldn't look at my smartphone I wasn't going to pay for the Wi-Fi, didn't have a cell signal. So it was just like mandatory time away. I, in well, fact, that I think appealing. I think during that cruise, it was whenever the Mariners put up like 25 runs on the Rangers and I think it was 2011. <laughs> so like that's a game that I wish I would have seen. But outside of that, yeah. it was just a mandatory like just be a complete piece of shit for like eight days and then go back to your life. So it <sighs> has a place, yeah. but it felt very American. And yeah, man, the, I mean, the damage to the climate like yeah everyone yeah. everyone is woken up to like oh cruise ships are a disease uh, are a disaster but like cruise ships have always been a disaster yeah they're they're a climate problem they're a real climate problem cruises yeah. in some ways what you're describing does not sound entirely dissimilar from winter meetings except like the drinking gets shifted later in the day hopefully although yeah, it's probably not true for everyone but because you know you go to winter meetings people drink too much you don't want to think about what you weigh before or after and you end up presenting people who go to the gym so it sounds very similar in that way okay picture the winter meetings okay except there are no meetings because <laughs> baseball stopped and nothing is happening and so you're not working okay and then that's and the that's, cruise that's what i got that's yeah. the cruise also you're you're floating and you, half the time you can't see a thing Gosh, I wonder if we'll have winter meetings this year. Probably not, right? Probably we're going to have winter meetings on like a carnival boat. Yeah. You don't have to speculate about that. I mean, not that you would know as a as a team employee, but I am sensitive to your status as a, an employee of the race. But I wonder if we'll have them. Maybe we'll we'll just do virtual winter meetings. People will still drink as much as they usually do. <laughs> They'll just do it from home. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, even I appreciate you tiptoeing around what might be sensitive. And I can also tell you, I have no idea. Yeah. And you know what? I'm guessing baseball has no idea because they right. they have some more short term things that they got to figure out. Yeah, they got to sort some stuff out. Well, let's let's talk about those sensitive short term things now. We're we're gonna um, talk about baseball, but like in a preferred aesthetic way because I think while well, you and I think our listeners can probably discern this based on what you just said and the tenor of this conversation so far, um, are not speaking as an official representative of the race. But this is this is just our personal 
preference. I uh, primed you with this question before we started recording, and then we talked about geese and bring it on, so you might not have been thinking about it at all. But, you know, when baseball comes back, it's going to be kind of funky. I don't quite know how to tell people that I'm excited for that part, because obviously the circumstances necessitating the funk are terrible, and we don't want to enjoy them at all, because they're awful, and it's costing people their lives and livelihoods. So it's weird to talk about being intrigued by the possibility of widespread weird baseball given the circumstances but i will with all of that you know guilt and anxiety acknowledged also say that like the idea of baseball being kind of weird is appealing to me because i like weird baseball it's my preferred aesthetic so i'm kind of excited for that part but i have seen many others who are really nervous or sort of virulently opposed i can't say that Hmm. that's terrible phrasing like the worst (laughs) phrasing i'm not gonna let dylan edit it out because i think it's important to acknowledge that we are forever confronting changing language standards but that's bad one we probably can't say people are going viral anymore either right that's just done we gotta stop saying that and you don't want to say like oh i just had the baseball bug in my blood from when i was young yeah Yeah. that's fine yeah well Okay, so... Who's got baseball fever? Yeah, can't say that. You know, it's like, oh no, is that a new one? What about Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats? Like, can they still be a band? Uh, yeah? I don't know. Probably. There's a lot of things that can give you Night Sweats. Yeah. I mean, like, just anxiety. Meat? Yeah, Yeah. too much meat. People... Yeah. Yeah, now there's a lot less meat, probably. That's mostly a statement about how the state of South Dakota makes makes a lot of our meat. That's not the right way to put it. Processes a lot of our meat. That's more <laughs> accurate. Anyway, and one of their plants just had to shut down because everyone there got sick. So it's a real w- weird world, Jeff, and I don't even remember what I was talking about before. Oh, good news I, for those cows. Pigs? Yeah, whatever pigs. it is. <laughs> We're doing great. <laughs> I would give, I would say uh, so far, A plus performance by us because we have I mean, managed <laughs> to talk for 30, almost 35 minutes and uh, neither of us have said anything too objectionable and we've talked for that long and uh, it's amazing that we can like keep a train of thought for any amount of time really because everything is that, strange. You see the video that was going around on Thursday of, of like all the crabs in the airport? Yes. Why were there crabs yeah. in the airport? Do we look, know? I, look, I don't. I don't have any answers to that question. But I mean, that's how now I picture the pigs are, that are no longer getting slaughtered in South Dakota. They're just like free in an airport terminal. <laughs> Their plane got rerouted. Yeah, they're like we do have airports in South Dakota, and we're using them for pigs now. <laughs> they're a pig place because people aren't flying. So. So what about your baseball aesthetic? I don't know, man. So it's going to be weird. I think some people have recoiled from the prospect of strange baseball. That's a much better way of putting that because part of why we long for baseball's return is that it feels so normal and we are all craving some normalcy. So, you know, I've seen folks on Twitter, not just in a, you know, reactionary Twitter way, but I think in a way that is quite reasonable saying, well, no, I don't want seven inning doubleheaders. I don't want a robo zone. I don't, I want it to sound and look and feel like normal baseball because uh, everything else sounds and looks and feels or hopefully doesn't feel so strange right now. And I guess not as a as an analyst or an employee of the Rays, but just like as Jeff Sullivan, who's a person who likes baseball, are you wanting, what are you wanting when baseball comes back apart from it coming back, which I think is really what we're most focused on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not certainly not going to be picky for the sake of my own 
job and just for the sake of, of the team and things functioning yeah. and any anything they can they can get do to get baseball going like i'm not going to be i'm not going to be picky about it you know everyone i think remembers what it was like to watch that orioles game with with mandatorily no fans yeah uh, because of uh because of protests in in the area a few years ago and it's one thing like anything it's surreal to see it and you're like wow that was a really I'll never forget watching that game, although we probably did all forget it shortly thereafter. But, like, you know, you do that for – it's like opening day. Everyone goes to opening day, and then the attendance for the second game was, like, 15,000 people. Right. It loses the novelty pretty quick, and it would be jarring to watch, like, fanless baseball. But would it be more or less jarring to watch fanless baseball where they piped in crowd noise? Like, I actually don't know the answer yeah. to that. Or if you do it, what is it, Taiwan is doing yeah. and putting in, like, cardboard fans? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to experiment with. But like, you know, you can think, well, what, uh, like anything else, you can look at it like as sort of an experiment. Like what happens to home field advantage in right. these situations? Does that still exist? I don't know. Might as well find out. Let's yeah. try to study that. So if you look at it from an analytical lens, you can say, well, there's stuff that we can try to learn about this at least. But I kind of forgot the original heart of what your your question was what kind of baseball you want to see when it comes back and it sounds like the answer is baseball yeah i mean it's it's probably the least surprising answer i could possibly give it's like no i would never want it to come back i just want to be i'm unemployed because i have no skills you excited about geese (laughs) i mean excited and a little bit afraid of but yeah honestly it's just any baseball but in in a way of course that has been agreed to by the people who are performing it you know, you don't want to have any sort of like indentured servitude yeah. to a greater extent than we already see in, in a lot of employment. Yeah. So kind of just want to see it in a way that people agree to, whether that's games that take place at three in the morning, because that's the only time you can play in August in Arizona. I have no idea. There's yeah. so many things that I'm glad I'm not a part of trying to figure out, but just any any sort of games, because I don't know, I'm not like the younger people because now I'm a 74-year-old birder, but I don't really right. want to watch MLB The Show. <laughs> like, it yeah. just doesn't do it for me. Sorry, Ben, and your esports articles. I'm one of those people who <laughs> leaves the comments. Just doesn't click. Yeah, I'm happy that other people like it, and I imagine that I'm going to get probably one article out of watching one of the the commentary streams that Dan and and Paul and other Ben have been doing and you know making fun of people in the fake crowd cuz I can say whatever <laughs> I want about them they're not real people um so that feels very liberating so I imagine I'll get an article out of it it's not for me but I'm glad that other people seem to find it emotionally resonant that's cool Blake Snell is great I think the Rays are leading the league <laughs> Yeah yeah that part of it I am like I have not engaged with it enough to be able to say anything even, you know, irresponsibly speculative about like what it says about quick twitch or anything like that, like your hand-eye coordination. But I'm curious, like which when it's all said and done, what are the analytics of the guys who are good at this? What does that say? Um, it sounds like in terms of uh, his reactions to the game and how uh, engaging he is to watch the Tatis is just like an 80 but I don't know how the other guys have sort of fared in terms of how watchable they are. But I, I'm like you. I'm not a great test subject when it comes to that. I I have seen um, some of the, the baseball out of Taiwan. And I don't know if this is uniform, but there was a, sh- a screenshot I saw today of, you know, just like a standard center field camera shot. And there were the, f- the fake fans behind <laughs> home. And I... I don't know if I just looked at it too quickly. I should go back and verify. But the faces looked too big. They looked like human faces blown up like a, to 150 scale. 
And some of them were wearing masks, which I thought was a nice touch. But I was like, these are like <laughs> giant people, giant fake people with masks <laughs> watching baseball. And well, remember I, that trend at, at sporting events when people would bring big yeah. faces? Yeah. Yeah. Like they would bring the And I, I have to say I've never really understood the appeal of that. Maybe as someone who like when I am doing work stuff is generally just like in sweats. And so I'm not like super keen to look at my own face while I'm working uh, or ever. And so I don't know that I would, if I were a pitcher, like to look out and be like, huh, so I had a pimple that I, that day. That's cool. There's, there's my giant pimple. But yeah, I don't know. When I went to my cousin's graduation last May, you know, when we were allowed to be in public with other people, there were um, families that brought versions of those with the graduates' heads. Oh, no. And that was terrifying. <laughs> what is – I mean, what is the purpose? If you're the family, you're holding it up to be like, I'm confirming that I know you. I'm here. <laughs> with- I don't know. I, I think it's one of those those fan things that it's like someone was like, you know what would be cool? And then they gave no other thoughts about it. And then we all ended up with giant versions of someone's face. I brought a giant way to remind myself what my son looks like. Yeah. You're here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that we could end up solving a lot of, not maybe solving, but at least getting some interesting data around questions that we've all had for a long time. Like you said, like, what is home field advantage really worth? I know Dan has been, you know, trying to sort through how his zips projections are going to work if we end up with no baseball this year, because it's a little different than having, you know, a strike shortened season or what have you. But there are some you know, interesting questions that come out of that from an analytics perspective. I doubt that they will be, you know, interesting to like my mom. But for us, it's like, well, we might learn some stuff. But again, it's hard to be excited about that because the reason we're learning it is terrible. <laughs> How much of any of what we normally do is exciting to our moms? <sighs> moms, yeah, my mom, um, she doesn't really get what I do. I mean, she does some of it. She actually, to bring it to birding, um, my mom and her wife have been playing this game Wingspan. Do you know this game Wingspan? I do not. It's, well, now that you're a 74-year-old birder, it might be appealing hey, Let me call to... Rob Nyer and get him on this too. Yeah, I've played it with them. It's quite fun. It's a it's like a strategy game and it's bird-based. Like you get to collect different birds. And so um, mostly the, the takeaway looking at Wingspan is like they just let you call birds whatever you want. You can give birds wild names. Lot, this lots, explains your tweet. Yeah, lots of... <laughs> Lots of tits. Nah, terrible. <laughs> but my mom, I, I was having a check-in call with my mom yesterday, and uh, she was telling me about the, the expansion pack for Wingspan they got, because I got them the European birds for Christmas, and I guess there are Australian birds coming mm. soon. So she's excited to learn about birds from Australia. And she was like, I think that there's an optimal way to play this game, and so, you know, if there's no baseball in July, you should just become a Wingspan site and do analytics <laughs> on the birds so mom when, gets it she just okay. you know she she knows what it's about but she's you know she likes say bird metrics very good very good all right it's been fun i gotta go yeah i don't know how we top that jeff what do you want to tell us about the way that the rays are going to draft it? no i'm kidding do you have any other pandemic stories you want to tell <laughs> where do we go from here we want baseball to come back that's our startling headline coming out of this also we're obsessed with geese and encourage people to watch old movies but think about the words that are used in them and if they are uh, applicable in society today i guess that's what we want people to do
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard because a lot of the things that you could say are important would be important under any circumstances, yeah. like practice gratitude, you know, the importance yeah. of being grateful for anything. But there's also, like, there is a, I don't think I'm telling any secrets out of school here, there is a selective selection, pro- uh, there's a, a selection process for the people who are listening to this in the first place, Yeah. who are by and large, and I don't mean to assume paint with too broad a brush, but like, people who listen to this are probably mostly okay, going a little stir crazy, maybe they're like, having to teach their parents or their their parents, maybe their parents too, but their kids. And maybe they're learning that they're not very good at like kindergarten teaching or whatever. But like, you know, I would imagine if people are taking the time to listen to, to this podcast, they're probably mostly doing okay. Not everyone. Everyone has different circumstances, but just go for a walk. Yeah. If you can go for a walk, watch, this is, uh birds just watch a bird yeah just look at a bird look at a bee just watch something watch something that's out there just you know i would think that it's very important to me to just put my phone down and walk around for 15 minutes and just not have it yeah and you know there's it's just a it's a good opportunity to be in your own body be in your own mind and just kind of send yourself but this is this is getting a little eastern medicine so i can probably back off but you know i've been reading some books <laughs> this has been making an impact but, you know, you you find the ways that you can kind of center yourself in the world. And it also helps that my wife has been reading, a, what is it called? The Short History of, of Nearly Everything or something like that. So she's oh. learning a lot about space. Cool. So now every night she's telling me fun space facts. And that's really good for perspective. So yeah. anyone else out there, uh, read about space. You know, Ben can probably give you some pointers if you want to learn about space. And then you'll it'll really help put your stupid little human problems in perspective. Yeah, I think that, you know, it is like I really did. This is going to sound corny. And obviously, um, I don't mean to minimize and you, you don't either the like the people who are struggling right now. But like, it really does. Like so many people have gone to the moon and come back. Are we at the point where we can say so many people have done that? I mean, it is human beings going to the moon. <laughs> so any number greater than one is so many <laughs> it's just so many they've gone to the moon they were like hey here we are on the moon and then they came back from the moon and they were they were human beings on this planet for a while after that so that's pretty incredible humans are capable of some cool stuff and uh i guess it all starts with washing our hands and not going on cruises so <laughs> the going on a cruise once a decade but honestly yeah don't don't, don't go on cruises there's other ways to to be gluttonous and and look up everyone yep. out there look up exactly how much cruise ships emit because there's this weird conspiracy theory that like every time a volcano erupts it like it's the equivalent of 3600 years or whatever of, of human existence and it's not volcanoes are like i think one percent of global co2 or like carbon greenhouse gas emissions per year volcanoes yeah. have been erupting forever stop blaming volcanoes for yeah. climate change there's if anything volcanoes are erupting less often on a geologic time scale because the earth is cooling down so at some point in the future there will be no more volcanoes to erupt because the earth will be cool enough that there will be no more magma so stop blaming volcanoes for climate change if anything sometimes they make the earth cooler on that note we are officially an anti-COVID pro-volcano podcast. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for And social out. justice. And well, yeah, but that that's been a consistent theme. Um, <laughs> we are exploring new themes that are more emotionally present than they. I guess the volcano thing's been consistent for you, but we're we've gotten to know this virus and we don't like it. We're anti-COVID. We are pro-volcano. 
pro washing our hands and we're pro jeff sullivan coming on fangrass audio every now and again jeff you've been tweeting which i i don't know man don't tweet but people should follow your tweets i guess uh to learn about no, ducks they, they shouldn't no one should follow any tweeter no but uh, as long as you're there do whatever you want yeah um and uh we'll have you back hopefully to talk about actual baseball played on an actual baseball field at some point but thanks for hanging out man yeah, I don't know if I'll be at liberty to talk about actual baseball. Might as well talk about geese. But I, I uh, apologize for, for the times that I interrupted you in this podcast. I am just so excited to talk during the day that I didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, it's all forgiven. There's nothing to apologize for. All right. Talk soon. All right. It was a pleasure.